Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. Hey there, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing great on this Friday, March 18th. I don't even, I've lost track of episode count. I have no idea where we're at, but that's okay. We will steam on. It is going crazy in NFL free agency, is it not? It is, indeed, yes. Many things afoot. We've had, uh, what, a couple of quarterbacks we learned about their fates today. We have uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, he sold his house, which, uh, which we all know is Cleveland Brown Stadium. Yes. And he is now moving to... Undisclosed location. An undisclosed point. location. Yes. We could speculate where he might go. But we don't know yet. We just know he's not going to be in Cleveland. Indeed, yes. That's right. Because Deshaun Watson is moving into his house. Yes. Finally, after, what, at least a year, maybe it's been a while. What, two years? Yeah, it's been a while before since we knew exactly what was going to happen with him. Of not knowing, mm-hmm. he has been traded or will be traded. Is traded? Uh, Done? I, I, believe it, I believe he will be traded. Okay. And so... Well, I guess one question is, what does that mean for the Browns? And then we could speculate around where Baker Mayfield will land. Uh, but let's let's stick with the the Browns, um, who I think a lot of people thought had found their franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, or at least they hope they had uh, after the terrible experience with Johnny Football, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and so now they, you know, you'd think after the issues with Johnny Football. Then uh, if you think Baker Mayfield's too emotional and inconsistent, now you go and sign a guy who has some smoke around him. Yeah. So what does this mean to the, uh, to the Browns organization going forward? Um, it's going to be a positive uh, for, for the long term. Uh, this season, I, I think he can make an immediate impact for this team because the team doesn't, I mean, obviously they lost Jarvis Landry and uh, a couple of pieces during free agency, but for the most part, they still got the same running back core, wide receiver core, defense. So they're still in really good shape. But the difference is is quarterback, and and the Browns' struggle over the last few last few years haven't really come from the the entire team. It's come from Baker Mayfield, who really is inconsistent with the football. His passes are either too high or too low. Um, sometimes just really off target. And that happened a lot during down the stretch. Um, I believe they played around Christmas time, which was kind of uh, a game that was going to decide their playoff fate. Pretty much sealed it, and then they obviously got thrown out. Were not able to participate after a really good campaign uh, for their for their head coach during the first year that he was that he was there. But now you get a guy like Deshaun Watson, who, from what we've seen so far in the NFL and what we saw from him in the NCAA. Is he's got a good pair of legs. He could definitely get out of the pocket and make plays. He's good. Has good arm strength. He's a good quarterback and can definitely lead you deep into playoffs. You've seen him do that um, multiple times during the time that we saw him as a starter with the Texans. So, and that was when he had some good wide receivers. That was the peak of the Texans before they got rid of everyone and now they got a whole new coaching staff and all that different stuff that that, that really went down. So I think it's it's a huge thing for them right now the the problem lies not with what they've done but what they have done as far as getting rid of Jarvis Landry doesn't make a whole lot of sense obviously at this point Austin Hooper they also released and then if you look at the the, the deal that the, the Browns gave to get Deshaun Watson yeah. they got Deshaun Watson in a 2024 fifth round pick 
But they also decided to just go ahead and get rid of their future. They lost their first round pick this year, first round pick next year, Oy. and the year after that, plus twenty twenty three third round pick and twenty twenty four fourth round pick. It really makes you guy. think about how, like, um, how well Tampa fared in this whole thing, getting to retain Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. Yeah. because mm-hmm. now you didn't have to spend those draft picks. Right, you yeah. have a guy who everybody knows is driving toward a Super Bowl. That's why he's here. Uh, and he's the greatest uh, quarterback of all time. Maybe and even best so, recruiter of all time. So. And he's a great recruiter. And so, you know, that like just completely changes the dynamic when you have a situation like that. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of the opposite of what we what? see in most places in Cleveland or other places where they've bet the farm to go get That's a I quarterback. Think, I think getting Deshaun Watson is one thing, and I think it'll be helpful, but getting three round picks, first round picks away for consecutive years and also third and fourth round picks you're putting a lot of eggs into the Deshaun Watson basket and hoping it doesn't fall through now I think Deshaun Watson makes you a playoff contender how deep remains to be seen the AFC is now completely stacked from left to right the entire conference so that's a bit scary you have to kind of go with the times but you don't get to rely on the draft to get you a tight end or a wide receiver or any of this stuff you've just kind of said Deshaun Watson's the guy that's going to turn things around now does he make you a Super Bowl contender uh first you just got to go through the Raiders the Chargers the Chiefs the Bills um I mean or Cincinnati you got to go through the ringer to even get close to the playoffs um and, and Deshaun Watson hasn't played obviously, in a couple of years. So there's a lot that we don't even know how rusty he's going to be. Um, and then it's just one of those things that I believe the Browns roster is strong enough and I believe the coaching staff is strong enough. It's just John Watts is strong enough. And how long does it take to get him healthy and back into football form? That's also going to be a major factor. But, yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things that they're not going to have to decide what they're going to do. Uh, they could go after OBJ again, see if they could sign him because obviously he's a free agent, but really nothing's happened with him, so maybe he'll go back to the Rams. But I think the more interesting thing of this whole thing was like the whole thing yesterday and last night of um, Deshaun Watson and the Texans basically saying he's not coming to you, and then everyone's like, what are you going to do with Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield wants a trade, and they're like, no, you can't have a trade. And then they basically backtracked and all of that. Now since Deshaun Watson said he's coming to Cleveland, now they're saying you could trade. Um and with Baker Mayfield, the the thought is either the Colts or the Seattle Seahawks are the two teams I see poking up the yeah. most. Seattle needs a quarterback. Seattle doesn't make any sense to get the quarterback of uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. It makes zero sense. The Colts make a lot more sense because of those are the two options that make sense. But the Colts, I don't think, are going to go after him because they want Jimmy Garoppolo is what I've heard. That's who they're really okay. after. And Seattle... The, okay, and so San Francisco is pretty bought in on Trey Lance. I think that I think they're like from what I've read. I think they're saying that they want Trey Lance to be their next guy. I yeah. think Tom Brady was like the last hope, or whatever. But like, I think that's where they're going. And Seattle doesn't need a guy like Baker Mayfield. He's not the type of guy that can inf- make Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf play at their best. He's not that type of quarterback. So I would use your first round draft choice and just play into the draft. Um, I read the comments of Pete Carroll and John Snyder about what they said during their press conference. And like, they're high on Drew Locke. And why wouldn't you be? You just traded your franchise quarterback for Drew Locke and a bunch of other players. So obviously you pretend that you're like excited about him. Um, And then Geno Smith is their like guy that's been there for a while and the guy that can kind of keep control of the offense. But for me, I think it's probably more likely they try to go get a guy in the draft with their first round pick. 
and then use him and see whoever comes out triumphant gets the job because that's how Pete Carroll's always done it. Rookie or veteran, you play for your starting position. And from what we've heard, he's not changing his philosophy from what he's been doing. He just changes the players. So that's yeah, yeah. that's 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 what he is claiming. So okay. I'm excited about that. All right. Well, we'll see how that turns out. It'll be interesting to see if they go get somebody and who they get. Um, so the Chiefs um, went out and uh, signed uh, Juju Schuster-Smith. Did I get that right? Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster. Smith yes. There you go. Uh, from the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. There was a thought that he would go to the Chiefs last season. Uh, he didn't do that, obviously. He stayed with the Steelers for an extra season. Didn't want to deal with the rebuild of a new quarterback and decided to go with them. The Chiefs also, I believe, released Byron Pringle, uh, which was a pretty big part of their offense for a while. Um, I don't know if I liked the decision all that much by the Chiefs to get, get Juju. I don't think Juju is that type of player anymore. Um, like last season during the playoffs, he he just kind of he just kind of fell off. Like he was injured, obviously, but when he came into the playoffs, I don't think he made him enough of an impact to say he's worth coming into a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think he fits their play style very well. I don't think he's that type of player that they that they really needed. Tyree Kill, um, Travis Kelsey, these guys that they already have don't really need a guy like Juju coming in there and trying to take some of their um, some of their passes away and some of their pass yardage and stuff. I don't think he's going to be that, that type of guy because in this with the Steelers, he was used to being the guy. He was the, the lead wide receiver, um, and, and now he's going to a place that he's not going to be the lead wide receiver. He's just going to have to blend in and, and play in the Kansas City Chiefs style. And I imagine a lot of people are going to be super excited about this trade and and trying to be like, he's going to be the piece of the Kansas City we're needing to be able to get over the hump. And obviously he's helpful to get Tyree Kill some time off the field and bring a guy in that can make some plays. And maybe with Patrick Mahomes, they can make a, throw a little bit better football even under pressure than Ben Roethlisberger was able to do. Maybe he'll make some different plays and be able to help out. But it's just one of those things that I, I just don't see the the added effect of him being there. I feel like it's a little bit like a a, a Josh Gordon uh, um, thing, like kind of just like a an extra an extra where he's just an extra, extra piece. car in the garage, right? He's just an extra piece. But everyone was super excited about it. I, even I thought Josh Gordon would be an extra little nice little extra piece. But when you get down to it, he barely got any passes last season. He was barely even there. You kind of forgot he was even there. Yeah, they already got their starting starting guys like the starting 11 guys they don't need to add more because these guys aren't going to get what they really need um so and also i think the the other part of this is i think there's a max exodus going on uh going on from or leaving from uh from the steelers because um dave washington well because they probably figure it's going to take him some time to get the quarterback right so he's gone and then their wide receiver washington who was a really good wide receiver last season he also left to go to the Cowboys. So they lost probably their two best wide receivers on that roster, and they just booked and went somewhere else. So now they're going to have to figure out how to deal with this and try to patch up the boat before it starts to sink. But as far as the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think he brings much upside. I think there was other teams he could have gone to to bring upside, maybe even the Browns now, now where they're at. But I think, he, he, I think what's happening now is, obviously he was part of the AFC to begin with, so that's, it's not like that. But... 
I just think he wants to go somewhere where he thinks he has an opportunity to win uh, a, a Super Bowl and because the Chiefs had success in the Super Bowl and has won it. But now because of how strong and how polluted the AFC has been and especially that division in the AFC, how, how stacked it's become, going to the Kansas City Chiefs does not instantly make you a playoff team anymore. Um, I think Kansas City is a good football team, but because of all the firepower that these teams have created and got for themselves, especially in the AFC and especially in that division, does playing for the Kansas City Chiefs automatically equal um, playoff picture, playoff opportunity? I don't think it equals that automatically anymore. I think it's going to be now an uphill battle to get to that point. So the question now remains is, is Juju Smith a question mark on the team? Is he the type of guy that's going to drag the ship down and stop them from getting where they're going to go? And is he going to be a midseason just cut because he's not doing what they really need him to do and they need to get an extra guy that can get, get him that extra mile and then they'll look for a trade or whatever? Or is he going to be the guy that's actually going to have some oppor- or have an opportunity to make a play and, and get things done down the stretch because they need that guy that's an extra gadget guy? And for uh, Smith-Schuster, he's the type of guy, and we talked about it on the podcast when the playoffs were rolling around, how they're really good at that short, shallow, crossing, slant route. That's what they really ran at, uh, when you, if you're the Steelers. Um, so how comfortable he's going to be with the big explosive plays, that remains to be seen as well. And, and it's been a couple years before since Juju Smith, I think, has been that type of guy that's like the wide receiver everyone's talking about. So I think it's an interesting position. I think based off where the current climate is in the AFC, and especially, like I said, in that division, I don't know if it's the best decision that the Kansas City Chiefs could have made, but obviously we have time to see exactly how it's going to pan out. But for me and for the listeners, I would recommend holding off before getting too excited about such accus- or um, uh, pickup. Okay. All right. Let's jump over to uh, to the NBA. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Pel- the Pelicans as part of our lead-up to the play-in tournament. Um, but before we do, uh, on the show sheet, we had a thing about Anthony Edwards uh, and uh, when he faces these amazing players that he faces, like, you know, a LeBron or a Durant. Um, and then he just likes to go to it. He doesn't yeah. want to avoid him. doesn't, doesn't want to pass want to it. Yeah. He wants to take it to him. He wants to beat the best. Yeah, that's why. I, and we'll be covering it more as we get closer to the playing tournament because that's the Timberwolves, obviously. He's yeah. who he plays for. But I think that's one of the reasons why I believe that either they're going to go far in the playoffs, maybe even past the first round, which is going to be really difficult because they're going to be playing the Suns if they're in that top bracket. But they may even get out of the playing tournament because the guys they have have great energy. They're playing extremely well, and their players aren't afraid of dealing with the best of the best and have playing through adversity and winning adversity to the point where you could win basketball games. That's why I think this kid is super good. And like one of those pieces that you're, that you're excited to have on your team. I, I mean, pretty much in my entire life, I've never even heard the Timberwolves as part of the conversation of an actually good playoff team. But now you kind of look up and you're saying to yourself, you got Carl Anthony Towns, you got Anthony Edwards, uh, you got Beverly, you got guys that are definitely coming to their own and playing really well for this organization, for this roster. Uh, and they're playing, and each guy has his own little niche that they're playing at, and they're doing extremely well. This kid is doing really well at, and I think he's only like a rookie or maybe even a first year guy. I can't remember exactly what, but even at that younger, younger age in basketball terms, he's still willing to go 
at it with some of the best of the best that are dropping 50, 60 points, sometimes more uh, uh, at certain parts and most of the time dropping at least 30 points a night. And you're saying, I want to go toe to toe to them to prove that I'm one of the best. And I think that's the attitude that the Timberwolves bring to the plan tournament. I think they make the tournament plan tournament, especially for the conference that we've been talking about exciting because the Lakers don't do that. Like we'll talk about in a minute. The Pelicans really don't do that much. Um, and the Clippers certainly don't do that. So they make that, that that conference exciting to talk about. And look, I look forward to watching them. I watch them a lot now uh, as far as just live games. And whenever I see them, I turn it on because I like their mentality. I like the way they play. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to briefly talk about that because you don't see a whole lot of young players saying, give me this opportunity. Most of the time, they're like, don't embarrass me. Just give me the guy that's a little bit easier to guard. You handled the superstar, right? So yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a really big positive as you go down the stretch. For sure. For sure. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's uh, swing um, back over to the NFL just for a second, and then we will do our um, Pelicans breakdown. Uh, so, Aaron Rodgers he signs what a four a four year deal? Yeah, uh-huh. three years guaranteed, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Some ridiculous amount of money. Um, and uh, anybody, but he loses his like number one. Target, right? He yeah. uses his number one weapon with Devontae Adams heading off to the Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. I think this is twofold, and I, I want to break down both parts. Um, let's start with the, Devont- or the Aaron Rodgers part because okay. I think the Aaron Rodgers stuff, he's getting land blasted. I was listening to ESPN radio right after uh, Devontae Adams left and went, and went to. It went to the Raiders, which we'll talk about in a second. They're like Aaron Rodgers, the most selfish quarterback well, possible. I just think Aaron, I, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the most selfish quarterback. I think he was. He just signed the the decision to make some money and to make he's a ring. maximize his income I, potential at the end of his career. It doesn't make him. If I could most. sign a deal three years before I'm sitting my butt on the couch and make 150 million dollars guaranteed, yeah, I it do. doesn't make him the most selfish quarterback ever. And I just don't think. It's one of those things where you can blame it on either one of them. It's not Devon Dan's fault. It's well, not Aaron look, Rodgers' look, fault. You got so. Tom Brady. So I guess you know Tom. He, he probably is going to take. You know, he's not. He's not going to go for the money. Maybe like Aaron, right? Right. Maybe not quite so much. Um, but because he's there, people want to play with him and win a Super Bowl. Right. So then, are we saying Aaron Rodgers isn't as good? People don't want to go play with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not, not take as good a... as Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Tom Brady. I don't think he's even the best quarterback in the NFC right now. I, I just, I personally think Aaron Rodgers is super overhyped oh. for what he is. I don't even know how he won the the the, the MVP last season. Uh, I, I get the one year got the MVP, played really well, but. I just don't see him being much better than most quarterbacks in the NFC. Tom Brady, uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is uh, a better quarterback because of the way he's able to... I don't even think good quarterbacks come from their deep ball. Like Everyone talks about how Aaron Rodgers could put it on a dime and put it thread the needle and throw it anywhere. But when it comes down to it, he fails at every major checkpoint and cannot get back to the Super Bowl. Him and Matthew Stafford have the same amount of Super Bowls. Matthew Stafford proves that it's not himself it's the team he was playing for and takes control ownership leadership of a team rallies all the guys behind him and i get von miller left but obj is still there possibly looking to be signed um they just got alan robert robinson which he could have gone anywhere but he decided to play there and and sign a deal there um so 
it's one of those things that he's building a good culture. Aaron Rodgers, I think, not just because I don't think it's have anything to do with all the field stuff. I just think I don't think he has enough talent and ability that anyone wants to play with him. I just don't think he's that type of quarterback. I think he made friends in in the league when he was younger and when he was winning the Super Bowls. Randall Cobb, guys like that, yeah. the uh, what Nelson or something like that. I don't remember his name. Um, he the, these guys that used to play with him yep. a couple like five six years ago, yep. those guys still want to play with them. Randall Cobb and, and company, but guys like Devontae Adams think they met the cap with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, and I I think a lot of people are going to try to spin it like it was Aaron Rodgers trying to take all the money, but maybe it's just no one wants to play with a quarterback like that, and they want to have an opportunity to get it things done because when you get embarrassed by the 49ers in the snow 20 degrees when this this team's from sunny california and and special teams blows the whole game everyone's gonna point to the uh, special teams but neither offense had anything going for them and you just lost got thrown out of the playoffs last season it was tampa who who you had to come to their house and 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 they just destroyed you made you look like a terrible quarterback um and it's just been this way countless times and somehow he he's still winning the mvp reward um so i just think it's one of those things that Tom Brady's not a great quarterback because he's got a great deep ball, deep, really good accuracy, knows where he's going with the football. He's the greatest because people want to be around him. He his, yeah. his his personality is that such that on the football field, people re- go to that and say, I, I want to be part of this. And because of the culture he's building, because of his attitude and his success and his resume, people are like, okay, let's go there. Now, the other part of the coin is the Devontae Adams part. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but Devontae Adams – Probably just wanted to play with a college, uh, a college team in, in in Derek Carr. He sees that the the Raiders are building up talent, and their wide receiver core is insane, along with their tight end, which is more like a wide receiver tight end combo. They got Max Crosby. They now got Chandler Jones. Um, he just signed, so that's huge. And then he's like, "Okay, my team's just falling apart. Um, I could get a ton of money fr- from this deal. Let's just go book it to." to Las, Las Vegas, not play in the freezing cold all the time and have a, have a stadium that, that's brand new, have some teammates that are playing at the beginning of their career as opposed to the end of it. Um, and like we said, I think Aaron, I think this Green Bay Packers team is going to fall apart at this point. I mean, the deal that they did for Devontae Adams, I think it was like two, third, and fourth round, or one second and third round, fourth round pick, or something like that. Super late round picks. And look at Deshaun Watson, what he drummed up. And and so it's like, does this team really even care uh, about its players? Is the GM um, hiding behind the scenes, but actually being kind of destructive to this franchise? Because now you look up, all you have left is pretty much Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and those are probably your best two players. One of them is a running back, the other guy's a quarterback. And your quarterback's probably going to peace out in the next couple of years. And then you'll be left with Jordan Love and a bunch of nobodies that, I mean, frankly, are not great at the game of football. And you need to start building up your lineup better. So I just think people are, are going to look at this like anti-Aaron Rodgers. But I look at it as Aaron Rodgers just, is, just don't think he's doesn't worthy. do enough. Well, I didn't, I'm surprised he's even in the conversation of well, the best quarterbacks of all time. Well, I just don't think you can't even you can't even sit at the table. How many, times has he been to the, how many seasons has he been to the playoffs? Uh, he's probably been to the playoffs a Out decent amount. Career. I have no idea. You can what look percentage? that up. Look yeah. that up. I know he only won the Super Bowl once. Um, so you can't even sit at the co- table with some of the best of the best and win the Super Bowl once. But granted, you can't even sit at the table with the best of the best and do what you've what you've done, which is flop in the playoffs consistently. That's like 
That's like the thing with the Packers. That's even worse than not going at all. Is flopping in the okay, worst. Okay, so this way is possible. why Aaron Rodgers is uh, so so well regarded. In 14 seasons as a starter, he has led the team to the postseason 11 it's like 12 times. times? Yeah. 11 times. Okay. That, okay. But that's. But as you point out, uh, he's been there 11 times and won the Super Bowl once. once. That's 10 times he flopped. How many times has Russell Wilson been to the playoffs? Oh my goodness, you're asking me all kinds of questions. Because everyone's dissing Russell Wilson as like, oh, does he even deserve to be in the conversation of the best of all time? Or is he just ruining his legacy? Is he just a flop? He can't get back, blah, blah, blah. No quarterback except Tom Brady has been able to win back-to-back Super Bowl, or probably more than, but like in recent memory. And Russell Wilson gets close to doing it, loses by a bad play call, and everyone's like, he hasn't been able to get back since. And I think it's a defensive issue. But All right, so they were in the playoffs in 13, 14, 15, 16, missed it in 17, back in 18, 19, and 20. So seven times uh, out of eight. And how long has he been there? Well, let's see. We missed 21. We made it to 20, I thought. he Because we went against the Rams, like last season. He was in the 2020 playoffs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lost the wild card to the Rams. Yes. So he missed last season, obviously, because of the they were close. They just flopped out. How many seasons has he been in the league at this point? Uh, well, he joined. It was like twelve, in 13, right? Thirteen, right? Uh, I think he joined in thirteen. So he's been like out of like eight seasons, seven times. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So, and he's not the one of the best of all time, or whatever. And he's not even in well, that the conversation on a percentage basis. He's only, you know, he's only missed it twice, right? I, right. He's only missed it twice, but he went to the Super Bowl twice in those in right. those eight times. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has one. been there one uh, yep. and won that time. Granted, but he almost went back to back. That's how good Russell Wilson is. It's just the team that Pete Carroll's put behind him. Um, and maybe you can say that about Aaron Rodgers, the team. No, but you can't because the, the team that the, the Scranton Packers has been has always been highly regarded as super good. So I just think we're putting Aaron Rodgers on the pedestal that only the MVP rewards puts him on. Those playoff appearances mean nothing if you can't get either deep in it, A, or B, win at least get to a couple Super Bowls. Uh, uh, those rewards means nothing if you can't even get to the Super Bowl and and, and win it. So yep. I just think I think this is not to, nothing to do with, with selfishness to get the bag. This has everything to do with Devontae Adams saying to himself, "There's no Super Bowl in my future. I'm not going to waste my best years sitting and waiting for this team to catch up to my skill and talent. I'm going to go to a team that's building, rising. I'm going to apply myself, play in one of the hardest division or conferences in the NFL." And I'm going to show that I'm worth every dollar of this contract they gave me, this gambling they gave me, and pretty much watch the the Green Bay Packers crash and burn as 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 this as the next couple of years yeah, happen. Well, now he's going to have to deal with the Russell Wilson led Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs. That's and right. Tons of other teams. Not not an easy not an easy uh, not an easy out, but yep. we're the right one. All right, so let's swing back to the NBA. And uh, let's wrap up the episode by talking about Pelicans basketball heading into the play-in tournament. Yeah, so I, I watched some of it uh, during the last couple of weeks, and obviously it's also today. And and I was interested by a couple of things by this Pelicans team. Um, I don't think the Rockets one is a great example, but I think the, the Suns one is a little bit of a better example. This team has two 
types of uh, types of teams that they put on the court. They have a starting five that's really good in the paint, can clog it up really well, and are very um, very um, physical. And they have a team that's a little bit smaller, um, a smaller group of guys that are better from three and not quite as physical in the paint. And when they play the guys that are more physical in the paint, they have success on both ends of the court, doing a decent job of blocking and getting in there and getting the rebounds, but also scoring. So that group of guys, in my opinion, might be the better of these two teams in these two groupings. Uh, I believe CJ McCollum also brings and elevates either group because of his ability. He does a lot of the same things that he does in Portland, which is his ability to weave through traffic and find the little gaps and be able to get the shot and knock it in. Uh, Valen Judas is also doing a very good job, and that's one of those guys that's in the uh, bigger group and being able to get the the, the goals and, and get in there and, and be really physical against some really uh, good basketball players of the Phoenix Suns. Now, because when that group is in, they're so physical in the paint, the issue lies at the three-point line where they let a lot of, and the Suns are a very good three-point shooting team, and they let up a lot of three-point plays, which end up kind of hurting them in the long run. However, if if you look at when these other guys are in, they're doing a better job in the paint, clogging it up. Uh, but then when you get the um, this other group of guys that are a little bit smaller, they're better at the guarding, but the the three throw line or the three point line a little bit, but they're also not great at guarding the paint, which then gets these holes that the Pelicans find themselves in. And the and the the timeline of the, of the Pelicans game can be seen. It just goes. They play really well. They get the physical rebounds. They're getting stuff done. They get some open alley oops, dunks, blah blah blah, and then they start to go down a little bit. The other team starts to get some sort of lead, and then they come back a little bit. And then they start to fall off. That usually happens at the beginning of the game. And then around right after halftime, maybe right before, they get another little spike. And then it just kind of tapers off a little bit. And they're trying to find their identity again. And it really just relies on who's on the court and who's not at a particular time. Um, but the other thing about this team that I, I like is their is their hustle. They got great hustle to get the ball and get the rebound or the steal or the deflection and get it and then be able to score on the other end. That's something that they're really good at. However, they're also really good at turning over the f- basketball, which is going to hurt them, uh, especially because they're hanging on to the play-in tournament. Luckily, the teams beneath them are losing games. Portland in particular, which I'm not too excited about because I want to see them in. They're my guys, but they're in the middle of a rebuild, so we'll not hope. But um, if the Pelicans continue, well, that wouldn't be a ter- or lose would be a terrible thing. But if you look at the team and then you look at the Lakers, who we talked about on Wednesday, and then you look at the at the, at the Pelicans, you say to yourself, the Pelicans might not be the best team, but they are going to be great against the Lakers because the Lakers are terrible at the three-point uh, three arc, but they're great inside the paint. And when I mean great, I mean LeBron James is great inside the paint. It says they clog it up so well the Lakers' mistakes are just going to get amplified by a thousand percent. The steals, the misses, uh, the drops, the the fumbles, even even call it a fumble, the the deflections, the inability to get the rebound and score. They're, all that stuff's just going to go in the Pelicans' favor by a long stretch. And maybe they'll sacrifice a few three pointers along the way, but in majority they're going to do better. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention about the uh, smaller group of guys, they're great, better at the three point stripe. So if the the Lakers don't if they miss out on the hustle that they've been missing out on the last few games and that continues because we saw against the Timberwolves not too long ago that game was fascinating <laughs> but it, it, they, if they don't hustle back to guard the, the Pelican shooter Cedar McCollum's on the floor Brandon Ingram's on the floor these guys can definitely knock it down and have little to no problem if they're given even the smallest amount of room so with the Lakers hustle that shouldn't be too much of a problem 
However, the turnovers, they needed to keep those under control, and they need to be able to have longevity for a complete game. They can't let these ups and the downs happen because I, I don't know if it's just they get tired eventually and they just can't get the same physicality that they're, that they're used to, but they need to. And, and the last thing I want to mention is CJ McCollum was a great pickup by the Pelicans because of what Abel is able to do on the court uh, and, and what he's able to do uh, as just keeping the team glued together. When I watched against the Rockets and he wasn't in, the team just kind of fell out of sorts and they were just running around everywhere. It just And the Rockets weren't even that great either. So everyone just kind of seemed all out of order and it was just like, like an asteroid belt of, of guys just kind of running around everywhere and ups and downs and ups and downs and things getting thrown and left and right and all that stuff. But then you get uh, CJ McCollum on the floor and then all of a sudden everything seems to slow down and he's kind of that veteran guy that's pushing things forward and, and doing a really good job at it. So it, we'll talk about it soon. And that's the, I think that's the Western conference or is that the Eastern? Con- I think that's the Eastern conference. Cause, um, well, no, that's the Western Conference um, that we just talked that we just finished up, and, and yeah, and I, I just think it's one of those things that um, I, I have my picks already, but I want to wait into the plan tournament just because things can turn around. But if I had to pick now, I, I would say that the the Timberwolves would beat the the Clippers by uh, four four games to one, okay. and then the uh, the Lakers would lose by being swept by by the Pelicans team. I don't think they stand much of a chance at all. All right, there you go. That could change, but... Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for hanging out. It's Friday. We got the weekend coming up, which is always fun. Listeners, thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. See you next week. Yes. Please listen. If you haven't subscribed, click the little subscribe button. Tap it, then you'll subscribe. Then you'll know about new episodes as soon as they're out. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging, John. We'll talk soon. Always fun. All right, see you. God bless.